Hello, hello. Hope everyone's doing well. You are listening to the third episode of the Text in the City podcast, hosted by yours truly, Noah. Um, but yeah, so we uh, we hit the episode number three. Um, I think it'll be a good one for you. I got some interesting stuff to talk about, um, but we'll see where it goes from there. Um, and if anyone's wondering, this is a very the way I do these is very unstructured. I think unstructured or not structured. Don't know if that's a word, but it's not structured. So basically what I try to do is I will write down the segments I want to do, and then I will go do the research on the segments, assuming there needs to be research. And then um, I'll write it down, and uh, I'll kind of just do the podcast. I'll just you know go for it. Um, a lot of stuff is just ad-lib. I'm just kind of talk. Um, I think I'm pretty good at it. I think I'm pretty good at just, you know, talking off the cuff. Um, because I don't like, I don't necessarily like being very structured. I'm more of a go with the flow kind of guy. And I was like that during radio too. Um, I just kind of, and that, that's probably where I refined my skills of speaking into a microphone and saying stuff that isn't, um, stupid is, uh, from my days at the radio station. But, uh, yeah, so... Let's break into the news segment here. Um, got some pretty interesting stuff. One of the bands I'm going to be talking about is going to come through my venue pretty soon. And by pretty soon, I mean literally in the next like two days. Um, so, but yeah, let's move on to the news. Okay, so moving on to the news. I have two productions I want to talk to you today. Um, it isn't really like news news. It's more like just a couple productions that I think are noteworthy, um, that are relevant and new, and have some new like design ideas or stuff that I think pushes the envelope or stuff that I just personally like the look of or the aesthetic of or the design of. Um, so that's what I'm going to be talking about for the news today. And I'm going to start with... Uh, a production by the band Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. And part of the reason that I picked this one is that they this band is going to be coming through my venue um, tomorrow and the next day. I think they play two shows. Um, yeah, so Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. They're a jam band, so they're in the kind of the jam cycle, which means that they probably have a pretty damn good light show as most jam bands tend to have. Um, so, here we go. Pigeons playing ping pong. So, their LD's name is Manny Newman. And the article is about how he specifies a Chave for what he dubs UFO looks. So, I'm looking at a picture right now. Go look it up. This is on plsn.com in the... Uh, article is called Pigeons Playing Ping Pong, L.D. Manny Newman specifies Chave for UFO looks. But go look at the picture that's on the top of the screen. It's what they are talking about when they say the UFO looks. Now, to me, the first thing I thought of when I saw this picture was actually an eye. Like, you know, the eye of Sauron, the shape of your eye. It has that shape, which is technically kind of like the shape of a UFO if you were looking at it straight on. It's like a disc. 
but he's basically what he's done here is he's pin and tilted or, or made the lights in such a position that they form the shape of an eye around uh, some fixtures he has in the center. Looks like he has some spots and maybe two strobes in the center to give it a UFO look, as he says. And it's a really big look. It looks awesome. Part of the reason I picked this production is because I haven't seen stuff like this um, in many productions. Like, usually a lot of productions will bring in, you know, they'll put some lights in the back on a truss or some towers, maybe some side light, um, which is cool and all. You can create some cool looks, but I really like this because it's a very specific look. Like, they specifically... It's not just X's. It's not just fans. It's like, okay, I want to create a visual thing on stage with light. Like, you can tell. It has structure. Um, it has a shape to it. It's obvious that it's trying to be something. It's not just pointing lights in, in, in a direction to look cool. It's like, it's creating an image, which is something that you don't necessarily see all the time in, in rock and roll shows and, and touring productions like that, which I think is really cool and remarkable, and it's a cool, it's a really cool thing to do. It's a really cool idea. But moving on, let's talk about the gear that he uses. So he specced 12 Rogue R1 washes, 8 Rogue R1 spots, and 12 Rogue R2 washes, or washes in his rig. And he says that they relied on these fixtures to create a mothership look. Um, which was kind of what they were going for, and he says that he create he, and it it creates a, like a really big open look, if that makes sense. Like it basically looks like you have the band, and then you have this huge thing behind them, which is like you know the lighting rig and the lights. So it really gives you the impression that it's like a really big look. It's a really big show and a really big moment. Definitely, definitely see the UFO. I thought of I, but I definitely see the UFO. Um, but I really like how, again, they created an image on stage of it's something really visually interesting to look at and kind of mesmerizing. Like, if I saw that in a show, I'd probably be like, wow, that, that looks amazing. Um, even just as, like, a passing person, I think would be like, wow, that looks crazy. Um, so definitely definitely a production to check out. And I'm, I'll let you know on the next podcast, because they're going to be playing... Uh, a show tomorrow and we're going to be building their show but I'll probably get to see it in person um, which is even better I, I hope it translates you know in person um, as well as it does on the picture so we'll see it'll something I'll be looking for and it'll be cool because it's cool to do research on a production that you're literally going to see, actually see in person. So I'll actually be able to literally build and, you know, see how he programmed it or, you know, see how the looks come about. So that's going to be really cool. So Pigeons playing ping pong. They're a jam band. The LD's name is Manny Newman. And they have a really interesting show. Definitely go read this article and uh, look at the pictures of the production so you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, really cool production. So moving on to another really cool production. It's probably one of my favorite productions right now, if not my favorite production right now. And honestly, I don't have very many favorite productions, so. <laughs> but yeah, so this band I think of as my guilty pleasure, like a total guilty pleasure. Um, and that band 
is the 1975. I really like the band, the 1975. I love their aesthetic. I am unashamed to love their music. Their productions are amazing. But the main thing with me is their is their aesthetic and their look. You know, not even just their production, just like the music in general. I really like the aesthetic that it, that it has. It's a very retro kind of 80s, um, really vapor wavy, which is really cool. If you don't know what vapor wave art is, go look it up. Uh, it's also a music genre, but that's that's something for another time. <laughs> but yeah, they have a kind of a, the aesthetic. They have kind of like a vapor wave style aesthetic, um, almost cyberpunky on this one, which I think is really cool. It's a really cool look. But, yeah, so the designer for the 1975, I'm sure you all probably know who he is. His name's Tobias Rylander. Um, he, he's done stuff for Nine Inch Nails. Um, but he is kind of the main creative force behind the 1975. Him and the frontman creative director, I guess they call him, Matty Healy. He's the frontman of the band. He's kind of the, like I said, he, he this guy's the creative drive behind the band. Um, and him and Tobias work really close, um, and they talk about how they always have a dialogue going on with the band, um, specifically Matty Healy, because he's the creative talent in the band. Um, but there's an ongoing dialogue, so you know they're making a truly collaborative production. And I really like when bands like the 1975 really take an interest in their production, because some guys will be like, like Elton John, for example, they'll be like, oh... No, I'm hiring you guys to design my show. You guys can do whatever you want. Or, like, the 1975, you know, oh, I want to work with you. Here's my ideas. What do you think? And then there's some people who are very specific and will just tell you to do something, and that's just what you have to do. You don't get any freedom. You just have to do what they want. <laughs> so I, I think it's really cool, and it creates for probably a much more interesting show is if it's a collaborative effort between the designer and the artist because there's so much creativity going around that I think that's probably where a lot of really interesting ideas would come from is in a collaborative effort between artists and designers um, bring those two worlds together and I think you can create a really awesome show such as this one and the, uh, the previous 1975 shows were equally as cool definitely something to check out is go on YouTube and look for the 1975 live in London at the O2 that is, it's, first off, it's a professionally shot video of their whole performance, so that's cool in general, but it, it, it does a really good job of catching the production moments and kind of giving the whole vibe of the show. Really big show. Definitely go look, one of my favorite videos, I watch it like all the time. Because <laughs> uh, they play all their good songs too. So go look at that, and then go look at this production as well, and you can kind of see the style, because I know... Tobias Rylander um, had talked about how he likes to bring elements from the previous productions into the new production. Um, and you can clearly see it here because the 1975 has very specific, like the Blade logo that they have, and then they have the giant squares that are lit up. Um, so you're going to see all that. You'll have the giant squares on the side, you have three cubes, and you have the Blade that I know they're going to project or put on their logo on that one and and stuff. But the main thing about this show, that's crazy, is that they're using Christy Light's Kinesis system, which is their automation system for like moving truss up and down, like the Tate system, like they did on Metallica. But it's called Kinesis, 
um, and decided to go with that one after working with Christy Lights to design it. So they have a, a lot of moving pieces. They have some moving stuff on the side, like those big rectangles. They have the three squares in the middle moving up and down. Um, they got a lot of stuff going on. And I, one of the reasons I like shows that do that is that you can, it almost gives you control of the level of intimacy because you can bring stuff down like a really big truss or, you know, scenic pieces and they can create almost like a roof over the band. So it kind of makes it seem like they're in a smaller room and not in such a big show, which can create some really intimate and cool moments. And it really, it's really versatile because you can really change the look of the entire show by doing that. It's almost like you can control the size. So you can have it go all the way up and have, you know, a really big look, but you can also have it come all the way in and have really intimate, you know, little groovy moment there in the middle. And then the next song, you can bring it right back out. You can go back into the big explosive, you know, bangers. So, like, you could do some, like, you know, really intimate acoustic ballad, and then right after, black out, bring everything up, um, and then have a really big look ready to go. Um, I'm just hypothesizing here. Something I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like you know brainstorming stuff that I would maybe do with it. But but Tobias Rylander is like he he's probably one of the best designers. So he definitely knows what he's doing. Um, so definitely, if you have the ability to see the production live, definitely go see it. I know they're coming here, but unfortunately, I think it's sold out, and I don't know if I'll have the time or now the money to find tickets. Um, for the show sucks and it you know it, it also sucks because I'm pretty sure Pale Waves which is another band I really like is opening for them so it's like really out of all the shows to miss I probably shouldn't miss that one but I did and that kind of brings me to another topic it's like man I I find it really hard to have the motivation to go to shows because I work shows you know almost every day so it's like ugh, I don't feel as urgent to like go to shows necessarily because I see so many. It's probably not a bad, it's probably not a good thing because then I probably miss a lot of shows that I actually want to see as opposed to bands I don't necessarily care about. But I digress. So that was the news for today, those two great productions. Definitely go go do some research um, and go look at some pictures so you can kind of get what I'm talking about while I'm talking about it because um, I'm sure it probably won't make that much sense unless you're looking at the picture. But definitely go check those two productions out. They're awesome. Uh, it's inspiring. So, yeah, it's always good to check out other people's productions so you can, you know, get some ideas, you know, broaden your horizons. But yeah, that was the news. Let's move on to the next segment here. Okay, so for this next segment here, I kind of want to talk about something that I have been thinking about a little bit, and that is design styles or you know LDs having their own style or programming styles or you know little quirks or, or things that you th specifically think look cool because I always hear people talk about how you know every designer has their own design language or their own the way they do things or their own specific like style you know you know like like artists do like some people you know paint surrealist some people are super realist some people paint you know with watercolor some people paint with oil or whatever you know so it's just a different every artist 
has their own style. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something like super specific or super unique. It could just it could really be anything um, that that kind of influences you know your looks or things that you tend to do or things that you find visually pleasing or appealing. And I think that for a lot of younger people, including myself, it's hard to, I think, and I think it's important to, to find that kind of design language or, you know, to find your own style to really, because I think once you kind of find your own style, designing and coming up with ideas and being creative is probably a lot easier once you're more, it's almost like being creatively aware of yourself, kind of. And part of the reason I want to talk about this is because I don't consider myself a very creative person necessarily. Like, I'm definitely no artist. I can't, you know, come up with really cool abstract things on the spot. I'm more of a technical, hands-on kind of guy. Um, I really try hard to be creative, but honestly, I'm just not that creative. I just don't think my brain works that way. So, you know, I'm always trying to th- to to push myself into thinking a little bit more abstractly and artistically. Um, when I'm running lights or, you know, making looks. And I honestly have no idea what my design style would even be or if I even have one or, like, what kind of things that I do that maybe other LDs don't do. One thing that I do know um, in terms of, you know, when when I'm designing something or, you know, making positions or looks is I really like to make big looks and what I mean by big looks is I mean making that moment in the song or you know a look make the stage or the show look a lot bigger than it really is for example at Brooklyn Bowl we're like a 2500 2600 cap venue pretty big you know but we're not like it's not a massive venue so I like to make looks that that basically make you know your small smaller venue show look a lot bigger via structure or texture or position i mean usually how i do this and i I thought about this too because the pigeons playing ping pong ld kind of has the same style as that is creating really big looks by you know pointing lights upwards and fanning them out can create like a really big epic look um, and another a person who kind of influenced me in that aspect is there's his LD, his name's Cody. He he tours with like a lot of the hardcore and metal bands like Motionless and White, Miss May, that kind of stuff. But he told me that his kind of specialty or what he tries to do is to make shows look like they're arena shows, even though they're not, which I thought was a really cool idea. And I actually try to emulate it. So he definitely influenced me in that aspect. So that kind of style is I always like, and when it comes to, to style, if you can could even call that a design language, is I like really make big looks, like really big epic looks. So that's something that I consciously do um, when I'm doing stuff. And another thing he said to me, which is also good advice, is, ju- good advice, is just because it's a moving light doesn't mean it has to move, right? Which I thought, was really good advice because what I like to do as well is to have really cool static looks and bump through them instead of having dimming effects or movement effects because you can make 
you can simulate movement or have uh, interesting things going on on stage without panning and tilting and doing some crazy things. You can just make some, have a really good look, and then bumping to certain parts in the song can really, you know, give you some good looks and big looks. Um, so I always tell people, like, oh, make bump buttons. You don't always have to move everything. And another thing, and this is something that I kind of just figured out on my own, is that, you know, you don't have to use every light in your rig all the time. You know, you don't have to use every single light in every look. A big thing about lighting is is lack of light as well. I always hear people say, like, oh, what's some advice you give people? Don't forget about shadows, you know. You don't forget about, you know, the absence of light in addition to the presence of light in a design. Because, you know, some well-placed darkness can really bring a design out and really make a look even bigger, even cooler on stage. So that's definitely something that I definitely took into took into consideration. And I'm telling you guys now, um, definitely kind of think about it. Um, and you'll kind of think of start... It's a good exercise, too, because you'll start really thinking about, okay, what other things can I do that aren't necessarily, like, you know... That are that are more unique or stuff that I can you know maybe switch up my programming or you know rethink of how I run shows or whatever. But I always like meeting LDs like that who who tell you things because you and here's the thing. I always tell people this man. There will always be some. There will always be somebody who knows more than you and is better than you. And you know the, the what sets other people apart from from other people is the people who take that and learn from it and, you know, take people and, you know, ask a million questions, get advice, learn from them, you know, take their ideas. <laughs> um, but then there's people who, who think the opposite way. And I think I know why they think like this, though, is a lot of people I feel like think that they have something to prove. So if they, you know, instead of being humble, they're like, oh, I have to show everybody that I know everything. When really I think people will respond to and respect people who, are willing to learn and admit that they don't know everything. Um, especially in this industry because, you know, guys usually don't necessarily like teaching other people their skill because it's like, oh, you're just going to take my job or something like that. I've heard people <laughs> say that. But I find that most techs are totally willing to teach you if you're willing to ask. Like most old roadies aren't teachers. They don't know how to teach. Like I'm the same way. I just experienced this this weekend actually because I was uh, I was uh, helping a friend out with some lighting something uh, for some lighting stuff at his church, just showing him some MA stuff. And I found that honestly, I didn't even know where to start in terms of like, oh hey, what do you want to learn? But it's far better to just ask questions because then they have like a context and a framework to work from um, when it comes to learning from somebody. Kind of a weird topic is like how to learn from somebody. I just find that. You know, techs in this industry anyways, if you want to learn from them, you got to ask questions. You know, they're not going to go out of their way to teach you um, or care, you know. So, and that's kind of, that, that, that kind of thing is really important to me because part of the reason that I got so lucky in, in how, what I'm doing now is I was there. I asked a million questions. I was always with the line guys, you know, be annoying. You know, <laughs> even if that doesn't sound, if it sounds counterintuitive, be annoying. Ask questions. It's what I, it's kind of the advice I always give people. Um, 
always be willing to learn. And my number one thing is there's always somebody who knows more than you do. And the people who respect that are the people who, you know, will probably learn the most. So that's my two cents anyways about design language and stuff like that. But let's move on to the last little segment, and that is questions. I got a really good question um, this time that actually a lot of people ask, and I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily know, um, unless they're in the industry, I guess. So question time. So the question that I received this time around was about the different types of positions and what the difference is. So I was asked, what is the difference between a lighting designer and a lighting director? And are the people are there people that do both? And I really like this question because I feel like some people who maybe are new or aren't in the industry actually don't know the difference. Like when we, when we say LD, I think most people assume lighting designer. Like every time I had talked to somebody about it, I think they assume that when I'm saying LD, I mean lighting designer. But technically, there there's many different lighting positions, I guess. Um, and it just happens that LD can stand for two of them. But basically, there's lighting designers, there's lighting directors, um, and then there'd be lighting programmers. And here's the thing, a lot of the time, the one person is all three of those things. You can be all three of them at once. Like, you can be the lighting designer and the lighting director and the programmer. You just did everything, which I'm sure actually, I'm sure that happens most of the time, at least in, you know, less massive productions. Uh, but basically, a designer would, like, let me give you, a, like, an instance of a show. So let's say there's a show. Some artist comes to me is like, hey, I'm going on tour. Here's the album, blah, blah, blah. I want a, sh you know, a cool production or whatever. So basically, the designer at that point at least a lighting designer, would design the rig and the looks. Basically, they would design the look of the show, and that includes what fixtures, where they go, where they point at any point in the song. So that's kind of what the, design, the designer does. And then the programmer is the guy responsible for bringing the designer's view to life. So you have a designer and a programmer. The designer could be talking you know, throwing out ideas. And the programmer is then using the lighting console to create that look or to come up with ways to create that look. But a lot of the time, too, is a lot of the time the programmers are just as important to the design aspect of it as the designer is because the des a lot of designers will ask their programs for input, you know. A lot of designers like to have a collaborative effort and not just, you know, tell the programmer to do but want input and one of the best relationships that you can foster is between a lighting designer and a programmer because if they learn how each other operate one it can make a really smooth process when it comes to programming but two it can become a collaborative effort you know each person giving design input because the programmer well yeah he's technically more of in the technology side of things you know he probably has creative input as well and just as, you know, and has a good eye for lighting because it is a lighting professional. So that, you know, that, that explains the difference between a, a designer and a programmer. But like I said, the designer could literally just be the programmer right there. A lot of, and a lot of the times that is because not every artist has the budget for a designer, a programmer, and a director, an operator. So 
you know, a lot of the time you really are all of those things when you're an LD. And then a director is somebody who operates the show. So a lighting director, technically my title is lighting director um, at my venue. I'm a lighting director. I direct the lighting shows. Um, and then on on a touring setting, it would be more more like, okay, so I designed the rig, I had my programmer program it, and now the operator is the one I send out on tour with the band to run the show, which would be the lighting director. Um, the lighting director is really just the operator. But again, you can be the guy who designed the show, programs the show, and then go out on tour with the show and operate it. You can be all three things. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the time you probably are. So that's the difference between a lighting designer and a director um, and a programmer. All, technically all LDs. <laughs> so, but that's kind of the difference or the distinction that I make between them. So just some, just some uh, fun facts for us all to enjoy next time you're thinking about, oh, LD, now you can, you know, lighting designer, lighting director, or programmer, or all three. Uh, yeah, so that is the question for this episode. And that's all I really have for you guys this time. We're approaching 30 minutes here. I think that's a good length. I kind of covered everything I wanted to cover. Um, but, you know, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think I have technically 10 listeners now, whoever you are, if they're consistent listeners anyways. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate the feedback. Um, I re- pretty soon here I want to have other people on the podcast so I can get some conversations going because I feel like dialogue with other people would be a very interesting listen, especially when it comes to talking about design and production. I think it would be really cool to get you know a couple of my friends' input, maybe talk about different aspects of production like audio or rigging because I do know a rigger. One of my best friends is a rigger for, for uh, Cirque du Soleil. So hopefully you know, in the near future I'll have some guests on uh, to talk, have some good time, some good hangs, and uh, put out a good podcast. All right, guys. Again, thank you so much for listening. This has been Tex in the City, Episode 3. I've been your host, Noah. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you on the next one.